We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get to some questions, Ryan. And, and if you guys have some questions, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, let me see here real quick. I want to start off here at the top. We got Brandon Plensner says, who are the top of the board Viper prospects in the 2024 class? And if Wafel commits to Notre Dame, the staff can now focus on the top of the board D-line targets. So that, so who would the guys be in your opinion? Look, we'll, we'll Brandon, we'll talk more about this in the next show. I'm going to give you three names to look for, but we'll dive into them even further for the next show. Yeah. Uh, the three names that I consistently hear Notre Dame associated with, with who they like on the defensive line, there are several guys, but the three that I hear, Nigel Smith, Elijah Rushing, and Jay Sean Ross. Those are the three names to know. I think Ross is right now a Viper. I think that rushing is a viper who could eventually grow into a big end. He's a good-sized kid already. Nigel Smith is more of a big end three-tech kind of guy. Those yeah. are the three names you're going to see you're going to see Notre Dame really start to zero in on, of course, and then in the 2023 class you're going to have Jason Moore's really the only guy uh, that uh, that I have left. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
No, you mentioned it perfect. I mean, Elijah Rushing, 6'5", 225. He's only a sophomore in high school, so he very well could be end up in that big end mold. But right now I would say he's a viper to start. Jayshon Ross, like you said, is about 6'4", 220. He's got kind of that sleek build to him. And then, man, Nigel Smith's maybe my favorite player in the 2024 class so far. I mean, 6'5", that kid's – I mean, last time I talked to him, he said he was already 265, 270. So the kid is massive, but it's a great frame. Like, there's just not a ton of weight on his frame. So he's a guy that I think is going to be 300 pounds kind of at the blink of an eye. He, I think is the Stefan to type player. Like I think yep. that's who he is going to be. That's who he reminds me of a ton from a, just a play style perspective. So yeah, Nigel Smith's incredible to the, to the question though, it would definitely be Ross and Ross, excuse me, and rushing and rushing for the uh, Viper spot right now. Cause Brandon Davis Swain obviously is a, is a big end three tech. Three tech. Oh. Owen Wafel would be a nose guard if they yep. were to get him here at three o'clock, which will, again, we're going to be going live at three o'clock. So uh, if you're listening via podcast, this is our, this event has already happened, <laughs> but uh, we will have a show on that as well. So MT 41 says who, in your opinion, has more upside Tobias Merriweather or Braylon James? I'm my going answer, to Tobias Merriweather. What's your answer? Really? My mm-hmm. answer I think was going to shock you because I'm actually going to go with Braylon James. I think that, Tobias has a much higher floor because he's mm-hmm. a more advanced route runner, obviously, right now than a Braylon James. But I think when you're talking about like, I mean, Braylon James could be 6'2 with vines for arms and be 200 plus pounds, and he's a 4'4 athlete already. So I think that his upside is insane. I mean, I think that Tobias mm-hmm. has great upside as well, but Braylon James, if he hits a ceiling, could be one of the better receivers come out of Notre Dame in a few years, in my opinion. I don't disagree necessarily with that. I'm just a lot higher on Bray- on Tobias Merriweather than most people are. I think I think when you look at some of his track times, you know, Tobias was a kid that you know won the 100, 200, 400 meter uh, championship in his district in the same day. You know, he's got some speed to him as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's obviously you talk about you, know, you talk about uh, Braylon James being six four. I see. I mean six two. I see, you know six two six three. Tobias is already six four. I think I think the thing that you're spot on is is Braylon to me brings more natural explosiveness to the table. Yeah. But the thing that we don't often talk enough about, I mean, cause like I'm looking at like Tobias's best time, his best uh, uh, track time was a 10, nine, five. Right. That's good, but that's not elite. Right. We're talking no. about other guys running like 10 sixes and 10 sevens. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. His, his 200 meter best time was a 22. Right. So he's a, he's a, he's a good athlete, but I think number one is he's a skinny kid and I think sure. he's going to get faster as he, as he gets older, but his, we talked earlier about you know guys that you don't have to be a burner and all that. To me, the thing that often gets missed in the conversations I have with other people about Tobias is he's got good speed for his size, but he has an, a very advanced feel for the game that doesn't get talked about enough. And if Tobias would have played at an Austin-Westlake instead of the school he played at, his numbers would have been stupid. He's a really good football player, and he's still really skinny. So there's a there's still a lot of room for – physical growth with Tobias Merriweather. So he's, he gets it. Cause just his, his ball skills are phenomenal. His catch radius is every, is, is, is incredibly wide. He's not as explosive as Braylon. And I think that that is where I could, I would be willing to accept an argument for Braylon James. But the best thing about it though, is as we are talking about gap closing, like MT says, who in your has more upside Tobias or Braylon James. The reality is, is that it doesn't matter because they both play for Notre will play for Notre Dame now. That's the important thing, right? And and that's where, you know, we get these hypotheticals. Who would you rather have? This guy or this guy? And my answer is always like, well, if you're trying to win a championship, both, right? Like, don't make me pick between the two. 
And that's what Notre Dame has done by being able to get Tobias Merriweather and Braylon James is whoever, whoever ends up having the highest upside. I, I hope it's a battle. I hope it's a debate for four years, right? Because well, three years, because that means they're both panning out, but that's what you need to do, right? If we're going to, if we go back to the premise, of the original show, if we're going to have this, this notion of, you know, closing the gap and competing for titles, you know, who's better T Higgins or Justin Ross. Let's have that debate. Because the reality is, is I want to have that debate because it means both of them are playing at a high level. I hope we're having that debate in three years. Who's better, Tobias or Braylon James? Because it means they both panned out. That's how Notre Dame's get to that next level. Could you imagine having – think about this. Dante Moore quarterback with Tobias Merriweather on one side, Braylon James on the other side, and either Rodney Gallagher or Jaden Greathouse. Maybe Jaden Greathouse is on one. I mean, because you're going to have this rotation and – that's who Dante Moore's throwing to. And oh, by the way, you also have to deal with Eli Raritan and Cooper Flanagan and Kane Barong and Holden Stace. Good luck. And you know they're going to get a top tight end in 2024. I mean, at this point in time, Jared Parker's just trying to figure out which one of those top tight ends he wants to take. Right. Because as you've talked to those kids, like they all love Notre Dame. Yes, it's just, do. okay, which one do you want? I mean, that's mm-hmm. really where the position that they're in right now. So uh, I just love the fact that we're not, we're, those are both Notre Dame kids. And so we're going to get to find out who's better in a Notre Dame uniform. And that's going to be the key. I, I went down a little rabbit hole earlier, Brian. I've got to tell you this before I, I got, I fell into some Eli I Raritan. Those. I fell into some Eli Raritan basketball highlights from his oh, senior goodness. year, man. Oh man. Oh, I had no idea that that dude was like that. I was like, he oh. was, yeah, I, I wrote about oh. this, his, his junior year. He was like an all district, like best, like he was like an 18 point per game. Like he is a good basketball player. Like it, I could see him playing at the division one level at like a Wichita state or something like that. Right. Like I could see him doing that. He's a, I'm telling you, man, look, Notre Dame's going to have a monster intramural basketball. Their football team could put a monster. I mean, if, if the, if the men's basketball team wants someone to practice against, against the summer, they need to go run with the football team. You got like oh, six, sure. seven guys, you know, playing the post. You got Rodney Gallagher running the point, running the point. Get him yeah. in the class. <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, let's let's have some fun there. Um, you know, and that's that's what you like to see. But no, he he's a really good basketball player. And there's a lot yeah. of guys like that that Notre Dame is recruiting, which I absolutely love, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then I got Devin Houston's my enforcer down low. Okay. <laughs> you try coming to the hoop, all right? JJ Starling, you come come to the rim. I got a little he's, something for he's, you. He's gonna he's gonna get all his fouls, but he's yeah. gonna make him count. And that's when JJ Starling raises up and bangs on him because they're still football players. And JJ Starling is a monster basketball recruit. So um, but uh no, he's he's really good, really good. Mm-hmm. Tom Balork asks, Coach D, would you like to have a quarterback's coach on staff? Yes, I would love to have a quarterback coach on staff. Unfortunately, Notre Dame has one. His name's Tommy Reese. Lewis Saban says, uh, I know the point where you're trying to make, Tom, but I just I, – I, you're never going to get me to agree to that. I know other people have different opinions. I don't. I'm perfectly fine with Tommy Reese being a quarterback's coach, and if they replace him with another OC that's a quarterback's coach, fine. I'm good with that. I prefer it. Lewis Saban, I, I love he's got the Yoo-Hoo. Do you see this, Ryan, the yeah. Yoo-Hoo avatar? Yeah. It's hilarious. I haven't, I haven't had Yoo-Hoo since I was a kid. Yep. I haven't had YouTube, Yoo-Hoo since I was coaching at Christopher Newport because they, they you can get it really cheap from down the road, and I didn't make a lot of money coaching D3 football, so you, you buy what you can get. <laughs> I hate to do this to you guys, but would you say that a fair comp for Don, Dante Moore is ever Golson, more of a hurt you from the pocket thrower but can burn you scrambling? I don't see a lot of similarities between Dante and Everett. No. I think they both throw a really pretty ball. It's about That's about it. But their style of play is way different. Mm-hmm. way way different yeah 
I, I think if you were to compare Dante to a Notre Dame quarterback, honestly, the closest comparison to Dante that Notre Dame has had is Jimmy Clausen. Except Dante's a better runner, a better, a much better athlete. But I mean, that's the only other person that as a high school player had the accuracy, the the intelligence, the football IQ, the feel, all those things from the pocket. Everett as a high school player was a great passer. I mean, kid threw over hundred touchdowns in his career, had over eleven thousand passing yards. He was a tremendous high school player, but mm-hmm. he was a dual true dual threat guy. I think if anything, they took that away from him at Notre Dame. Dante is more of a, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to mentally and physically beat you because I'm just going to pick you apart. And, and he's the most natural passer that Notre Dame will have landed if they can get him since Jimmy Clausen. I mean, do, do, can, do you have anybody else that would be in that conversation that would be a comp to him since Jimmy? Cause I, I think most of the other quarterbacks they've gotten are dual threats. And I, I think there's a misconception about Dante from some that he's a dual threat guy. I've had this conversation on Facebook no, Notre Dame needs a pocket passer. Okay, what's your point? Well, you know, they don't, shouldn't recruit Dante Moore. What makes you think Dante Moore is a, a, a dual-threat quarterback? Well, you know, yeah. and then, you, know, you, you know why. And it's like, I don't know if you've watched him play, but Dante Moore is a pocket passer, 100% pocket passer. And most of the other top, Jerkovic wasn't, Buckner's not, Kaiser wasn't, Golson wasn't, Malik wasn't, Gunnar Keel maybe, but he's way better than Gunnar Keel was coming out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you have to go back to Jimmy, in my opinion, to find someone that's that's on Dante's level as a pocket passer that Notre Dame right. has landed. And, and, of course, they haven't landed Dante yet, but that would be the closest, Ryan. Any, anybody that you would I, – I think I think as far as Notre Dame players, no, I don't think – I think he's a different type, you know, than Notre mm-hmm. Dame has typically had. I mean, again, I, I think that there's a also a misconception about Bryce Young that he's this dynamic runner, right? But he does that's not how he plays the game. He's 81 not. carries for zero yards last year. Ex- I'm going to keep exactly. reminding people of that. Yep, yep. He's he's not – I mean, he's a pocket passer that happens to ha- be a good extender when he feels right. like it. Like, that's what he is. And I I think that their games resen- – I think Dante is a bigger version of a Bryce Young. I think that's a decent comparison. I really do. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. Irishman, Irishman, 7114, hypothetically, if they miss on Dante Moore, get C.J. Carr and Buckner is everything we think he can be. Does that put Notre Dame behind their program development and far behind if yes? And how far behind? I don't think it puts them behind because I think C.J. Carr is a really good player. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't want to deal with that hypothetical yet because, honestly, as much as I like C.J. Carr, he's not Dante Moore. I know I'm I'm not – I'm not I, – I, I don't know if I'm in the minority with that opinion or what, but I'm sorry. Dante Moore, I don't I know that some of us are convincing ourselves he's not that kind of guy because he might not pick Notre Dame in, in your opinion. And I understand that. But look, Dante Moore is an elite game-changing quarterback that Notre Dame has to get. They have to get him because I like CJ Carr a lot. And CJ Carr to me is more about ceiling than he is the floor right now, Ryan. But to me, it doesn't put you behind CJ getting CJ card, not Dante doesn't put you behind from where you are now. It, it's a great pickup. CJ Carr's a good top 50 football player. Yeah. But it, it, it Dante Moore, CJ Carr helps close the gap. Dante Moore erases it. That's the difference. Sure. Sure. That, yeah. I mean, it, it's just a step up in the caliber. I mean, I mean, CJ Carr again, very good player. I mean, I would, yes. If I was in the name, I would take him. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, so I'll say it like this, Brian, and it's not tough. It's not easy to compare guys that are 2024 kids to 2023. If he was in the class this year, I would probably prefer a CJ Carr to a Jackson Arnold's 
in my opinion, you know, just kind of comparing those players to one another. Right. So yeah, I hope Notre Dame gets, has gets the ability to land a CJ Carr, but it's just, he's not quite Dante Moore to me. He's a good player. Dante Moore, I think is a game changer. Yep. Sean Kane asks, who's the most important must get of the trio of Gallagher, Greathouse and Hannafin? I know. I think we kind of have the same answer. It's Gallagher because he's the unique talent Mm -hmm. that that's, he's just a different player. John Leahy, will Dante make a decision this summer or could his recruitment continue in the fall? I expect him to make a decision this summer, spring, summer. Uh, spring technically doesn't begin until, what, uh, mid-June? So, uh, or end of mid-June, I think. So probably summer is when uh, spring doesn't end till mid-June. So I would imagine it will now be a summer decision, but I, I don't think he'll go into the fall. I don't. Same. Agree. Irishman 7114, do you think that Notre Dame can supplant Ohio State as the premier team in the Midwest this year, or do they need this year and another year of recruiting and matching on the field? Interesting question. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think I think that it's more about the long term than short term, right? I think mm-hmm. if Notre Dame has number one class, like let's say this year, or at least a better class than Ohio State, you beat them in one cycle, right? But I think that when you're talking about long-term success, it's about put stringing things together. So I think that it's going to be a, a little more of a long-term than short-term to kind of prove that because Ohio State is, we always talk about like, what is a blue blood? Ohio State is one of the premier programs in college football, right? So to supplant mm-hmm. them, I don't think it's just one recruiting cycle. I don't think it's one season. I think it's stringing multiple seasons and recruiting classes together to supplant them in that regard. Right. I want to comment on something too, because I saw, I see a lot of this. Uh, Brandon says something, James Lawrence, uh, James Lawrence Zensi says, can we really let a recruit as high as Justin Scott in Illinois not commit? The question I, from my understanding was about Vipers and edge players. Right. And so my focus in that question was on edge players. It was on the three ends, the three guys that are ends or ends, big tackles. Justin Scott's a different kind of player. Justin Scott's a a six foot five, 310 pound nose, maybe could play some three technique, right? Like he's more athletic than, you know, the the kid we're talking about today. So I want to make sure it's clear. I'm talking about edge players. That question was about ends. Mm -hmm. My understanding from Notre Dame is that they absolutely are looking at Justin Scott and would continue to look at Justin Scott. um, Even if Owen uh, Wafel can pick because he, they the, and the thing that they're telling Justin Scott is they're actually telling him that he's a three technique. Yes, they are, which is interesting uh, because he's an athletic kid for his size. So if you land Owen Wafel, who they like as a nose, if they land him, then he doesn't play the same position as Justin Scott per se. So it's going to make it interesting. And the other part that we're going to talk about during the show is is what the numbers are going to look like in that class. But I just want to make sure that I'm clear on that because it, it seems like there's a lot of people that were confused by my comments. Or not confused, but like I didn't – I wasn't clear enough in it. I was talking about edge players. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we're – because there's a couple other interior guys that they're talking to in the 2024 class as well. Yeah, the the Breeling kid from, yeah. uh, from modern day out in Cali too. Yep. Yeah, there's a couple more of those types. Yeah, because he's a 6'5", 320-pound kid. Here's right. an interesting question from Mason Plummer. Mason mm-hmm. says, who will be drafted the highest in the NFL, Styles, Merriweather, or James? Am, am I assuming that they're all hit their ceiling? Let's say is, they is, all is... at least come close. They get to 90 to 95% of the Because I think is, you know, that's, yeah, let's go with that. First of all, go... can I say this? If that's yeah. true, how freaking fun is it going to be to watch that receiving core? At least for a year, right? There's at least, least going to be a one year. year. Yeah, there's going to be a one year where they're all together, you know, potentially two, but one year for sure where they're going to be all together. 
I guess if they if they all reached their ceiling, I guess I'd say Braylon James, but I'd still would probably defer to Styles, man. Like mm-hmm. I just there's something about Styles as a route runner, understand the understanding to play the position on top of being what I think is a really good athlete, a really flexible athlete. I, there's just something about Styles that's a little different to me. I think that that kid is a potential high round draft pick like top two round type of kid i think he you're is. real you're you're very you've been consistent this isn't the first time you've answered the question that way yeah so uh you've been very you've been very consistent on that there's there's no doubt about it i would probably still go with merriweather but again part of this comes down to well i don't know what the needs are going to be in the nfl draft right there's always that kind of cop-out answer that i could use but I still go with Merriweather. I just graded him out the highs. I think he has a high ceiling. I think he reminds me a lot of a, of Justin Jefferson coming out of high school. You know, we'll see if he can develop the same explosiveness that Justin Jefferson had. And but, you know, I think the thing that that comes about too is a lot of it's going to go to forty times because as we've seen, I mean, T Higgins fell out of the first round for a number of reasons. One of which is he ran a high four five. Right? If T Higgins ran a four four seven, he doesn't fall as low as he did, and he's turned out to be a pretty darn good football player. Right? Yep. So I, I think it just it comes down to that. I think. And that's also you're gonna have to think about this decision too comes down to like personal preference. I've always admitted my bias is towards taller receiver. I like taller receivers who can run routes, catch the ball. That's just my personal preference. Some people like smaller guys. So that's gonna factor into it as well. But that's a really good question. I'm gonna go with with Merriweather, but I wouldn't be shocked by any of them. And if and if I if I were to say who would be the guy that I think if they all reach their potential could end up it couldn't if they all reach their full potential it could end up being Braylon James because the one thing about Braylon I think he's going to run a fast forty time when he yes. gets to college and gets in the strength program mm-hmm. uh, I think he'll probably run the fastest forty time of all of them if he pans out and stays healthy I could be wrong on that Lorenzo's fast but I don't know if he's that like I don't know if he's like four low four four one fast i'm not sure about that yet no, he's more he's more like a four i, I imagine him like a four four eight four yeah. four seven like a four four yeah. high type of kid which is fine yeah, yeah. style yes I'll, again that's fast that's fast i mean that's the thing is we're talking we're not talking camp you know under armor opening times or you know uh, rivals camp times we're talking like reality times at this point in time so i just make sure that we're clear on that Here's a two-part question from Matty K. I haven't seen Matty K in the chat for a while. It says, Brian, you are one of the firm believers that an elite pass rush can help cover a weaker secondary. Notre Dame has an elite pass rush this upcoming season, and their secondary isn't weak, but our rush is nasty. Where I'm going is where we have been recruiting elite D linemen forever, and I've been seeing the type of recruitment with the receiver, especially guys like Flores, James, Great House, Flores, and hopefully Tate. Was there a third part to that question? that I just didn't, that I didn't see. Let me go up here and look. Cause I'm not quite sure um, what the question is or what the comment is. So just give me a second if I can find it. Um, I guess I'm not really understanding the question, Ryan. Are you picking up what he's, what he's saying? So mm-hmm. there's, Oh, okay. Hold on. Uh, is he talking about Ohio state? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, I'm not, I'm not I'm sure. Sorry, man. I'm not quite sure what the question is. Uh, but yes, I am a believer that a, a an elite pass rush can overcome not having a great secondary. What I would not say is I don't think it can overcome a weak secondary. I think you have a weak secondary, you're still going to get burned. And I think Oklahoma State showed that in the bowl game. And they just they were able to neutralize the pass game with they got the quarterback out of the pocket, quick game. They did different things to neutralize the pass game. 
when they're able to overcome a weak secondary. You can't overcome a weak secondary, in my opinion, not not to win a championship. But you don't have to have a, a – you can have a – just if you have a, just a good secondary and a great pass rush and, and a good scheme, I absolutely think you can you can win a championship that way. There, there's no doubt in my mind, right? I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. But I, I look at Alabama in 2020. Alabama mm-hmm. did not have a great secondary in 2020. That a great secondary player, but as Florida showed in the SEC title game, if you can attack other guys – you may even be able to get a shot on Patrick Sertan every now and then, but there's other guys in that secondary that could be exposed if you can't get to the quarterback, and then they could they were able to scheme their way into some big plays. But that's yep. my stance on that. No, no, I I think that that's a good example. I would say even Alabama this year, if the, if their wide receivers didn't get hurt, I mean that Alabama secondary was one of the worst I've seen in some time, man. Like it was right. not it was not great. I mean Josh Job got benched. They had the other quarterback who got drafted was hurt during the game, so like they had McKinstry playing, who's like a freshman and they have the two safeties that are decent players, but yeah, I, I think that there's definitely ways to get around it. Let's go to, we have a super chat down here from ICURN with Irish luck. I know Jimmy was more accurate, but would you say from an athletic standpoint and leadership, Dante would be close to Brady Quinn could be a combination of the two and would be special. So I want to make sure I'm clear. We were talking about as style of play right? yeah. I wasn't talking about leadership. We're talking about as a passer and style of play. Everybody knows my stance on Jimmy Clausen loved Jimmy Clausen as a passer of the football, did not like Jimmy Clausen as a leader. So to your point, I would say, yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. I think Dante is a, is certainly a better athlete than, than, uh, than Jimmy Clausen, but he's not Deshaun Kaiser. He's not Everett Colson. He's not Malik Sayer. He's not Tyler Buckner. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the size that Phil Dracovic had with that athleticism. I, I think, you know, Brady would be a, a good comp from style of play, of course, but then their, their bodies are different and, and I would say, obviously, Dante has a much better feel for just the, the throwing game than Brady did coming out of high school, right? You know, Brady eventually got there, but I mean, I, I think it's a, that's a unique that's a unique point. Is you know, have, do you have? I mean, because I mean, that's a that's a heck of a quarterback. If you can combine the leadership that Brady Quinn brought to the table with the passing ability of Jimmy Clausen. That, that's a pretty good flipping quarterback right there, man. It's a, it's a first round quarterback. <laughs> There's no doubt about first it. Quarterback. That's yep. probably winning a championship at some point in time with those guys too. So um, Kaiser uh, Soze says, uh, Brian, I haven't heard you mention tempo, but the offense may have missed it. Does the offense have the personnel to run up tempo at times? I would encourage you to listen to Friday's mailbag. Cause we did actually had a very long yes. conversation about this in Friday's mailbag. So I just wanted to bring up your, your uh, question so that I could point you to that and get the last couple here, but then we got to get out of here. Because we're going to be back here at 3 p.m. to be on the show. Troy McIntosh says, I think they can recruit that much talent. Some of the D-lines. This is a comment from Troy. Uh, this is back to the D-line comment. Uh, I, when you look at Jason Moore, uh, Keon Keeley, Tyson Ford, could be that level of talent all on the same team. Maybe even Aiden Govira. I think I think that's kind of where I'm at. You know, And then if they can follow that up in 2024 with a Nigel Smith and a Elijah Rushing, you know, Rushing, and now all of a sudden you're talking about three years in a row, you've landed guys that are top hundred players with the potential to be first round picks. The the thing is though, is, you know, you're, you're still at the point recruiting wise where your, your hit rate has to be pretty high. I think that is the thing that you know, where Georgia just has been doing it so long that it's kind of like, you only need a guy or two per class to pan out. Notre Dame is still right. at a point that they need a little bit higher success rate. But that's where I come from is I do think they can recruit. I mean, there's no reason you can. Nigel Smith and Elijah Rushing, great students, great Notre Dame fits. There's no – Justin Scott, same deal. Mm-hmm. Keon Keeley, great student, private school. I mean, these kids have always been there. This is the this is what bothers me. They've always been there. 
for the taking. It's just Notre Dame wasn't willing to go after him. And Marcus Freeman has changed that big time. I, so that's why I do think cornerback, I don't think they're going to have elite corner. I don't, I don't think they're ever going to have the kind of secondaries that Ohio State was putting on the field in this, this decade. I just, I don't see that consistently. But can mm-hmm. they put secondaries on the field consistently like they did in 2018? You're darn right they can. And I think that's good enough if you can be elite in the front seven because I think they can recruit linebacker as well as anybody, and I think they can recruit defensive line at an elite level. If But it's going to take work. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to take work. And it re- takes a person like a Marcus Freeman to do that. I don't think they could have done that under Brian Kelly. I don't. I don't think yeah. they had a dynamic. And that's not a shot on Brian Kelly because I would – I mean, you could insert other – you know, Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle. I think you need a dynamic personality at head coach at Notre Dame to really recruit that way. Lou Holtz is a dynamic personality. He could close. Marcus Freeman takes a completely different role as a recruiter than Lou Holtz did. Lou Holtz was a closer. But he would walk into your living room and have your whole family ready to put pads on by the time he left, right? And so Coach Freeman does it differently, but it it, it works. And I, and I do think that that is the case, and Brian Kelly was not that guy. Yep. That's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Like my guy Mace AK says, join the message board, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review, go Irish, and he says, oh, and see you at 3 p.m. for the second show. That is definitely true. We'll be back here in about 50 minutes uh, to uh, carry Owen Wafel's commitment. He will be deciding between Notre Dame, Michigan State, Iowa, and a few others. And so uh, we will carry what he has to say, talk about his recruitment, and then talk about what it means and then what's next for Notre Dame one way or the other. So, everybody, thanks for joining us. We will see you again here very, very soon. Go grab some lunch, grab a drink, rest, get some relaxation, power up, come back for show number two. We will see you guys very, very soon. (laughs) 